And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It's Sunday night here in an a unhappy DMV after the Commanders lose to the Giants 31-19. to <laughs> um, The voice of the Commanders, Bram Weinstein, joined me just a moment ago to break down all the different breakdowns on both sides of the ball and where do we think this organization goes from here. There's six weeks to go. I know people are um, talking about the idea of, of significant staff changes coming. I don't think that's going to happen. Nonetheless, Bram and I did. I mean, it's not going to happen today, tomorrow, soon. But that said, Bram and I discussed all that, and we'll get to that fun conversation. I don't know if it was fun. <laughs> I like talking to Bram, but I guess I don't know if it was fun, considering the subject matter. But we'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Um, of course, make sure you subscribe, uh, iTunes or wherever you do your podcasting. I'll have a story up on the athletic. I believe it's actually live now. In fact, uh, my view of the game and, um, and all that. And of course you can hit me up on X or Twitter at Ben standing. And I kind of restarted using threads a little bit. I know some of you have migrated over there. Uh, I believe it is at Ben standing as well. So if you want to follow me there. Go ahead. I will do my best to be more consistent over there. Um, I I, I want to start with this, and we'll get to all the reasons for the loss again with Bram in a few minutes. But before the game started, you know they've had a lot of the veteran, uh, sorry, alums come back to get to home games. You know, as a way to you know honor the past. Um, you know which was lacking, you know, in, in, in many cases with um, the Dan Snyder era. Joe Theismann was here today. Now, Joe has been around pretty much consistently throughout. But nonetheless, it's the 40th anniversary of his MVP season. So he was back and he spoke with us for a few minutes. It was great to catch up with Joe. Right before that, John Riggins was there. John Riggins is definitely not a, a uh, guy who's around much at all. Very much of a recluse. He admitted as much. But he was there today. He and his wife. Um the the commanders hosted many uh, military troops. Uh, it was a, a USO uh, related event, and, and the Rigginses were there to sort of promote that and to, to talk up the event. And, and Riggins really didn't even want to talk about the team much, his time or the current situation. He said he was there because he wanted to, you know, honor the the, the troops, and that he he remembered the national anthem from his days as a player. And he said that he always appreciates the anthem that when he's when it's happening, even though you know a guy like him back in his day was viewed as like a hero, just the way current players are today, he viewed it as some some the the, the soldiers are the are, are the heroes, the military members, not a football player. So for him, he said, um, to, you know, quote to me, it's what today is all about. It's not a football day for me. But then he relented and mentioned the team and said, quote. Besides, if you can't beat the Giants, I mean, what do you got? 
he asked rhetorically. Um, and that's where we are right now. You can't beat the Giants. What do you got? Tommy DeVito, you know, everybody was having fun with the Danny DeVito jokes and he lives at home with his parents and all that good stuff. You know, I'm not saying he's going to the Pro Bowl tomorrow, but he looked pretty competent and he got, he threw three touchdown passes. Some of the throws were just incredibly, the receivers were just incredibly wide open, several breakdowns. Um, Saquon Barkley got beat past Jamin Davis on a wheel route. Darius Slayton was open for a wide open on a 40-yard touchdown. The Giants, uh, you know, Washington's uh, pass protection was a little bit worse than it had been maybe since that Giants game in week seven when they did make some changes. They got to Sam Howell four times uh, and got to a bunch of others. Um, Washington defensively, hey, we're not going to talk about lack of pass rush after this game. They got, they sacked DeVito nine times, eight in the first half. Um, you know, it, it, every, it was a, it was a balanced attack on that front. David Mayo had two sacks. KJ Henry w- was definitely involved. Both Allen Payne, uh, I believe had a sack. So they got a lot there, but th- they were behind quickly. And I didn't even mention this yet. They were behind quickly because the offense had not one, not two, not three, but six turnovers. Well, actually, the offense had five, including Sam Howell's three picks, and he threw one was a pick six at the end of the game with Washington driving for a potential winning touchdown. One was on a fumble return on the opening kickoff of the second half by Byron Pringle um, that, you know, with Washington already trailing, gave the Giants back and sort of stifled any potential momentum coming out of coming out of halftime. It is a. It, it's just a. Um, it's 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 surprising that they couldn't figure out how to win this game against a team that is entered this game two and eight with Devito at quarterback. They had been outscored like a billion to ten over the last two games. Both losses. That's approximate math. You know, I, I mean. I get Washington is missing some pieces that they obviously are thinner on the defensive line after the recent trades, no James Smith Williams, um, no Antonio Gibson on offense. We can go through the list, but you've got to find a way to win this game. I'm not talking about it for the playoffs because there are, they were already had like a minimal shot to get in. I'm just talking about from a basic fundamental aspect, come out, take, take advantage of the giants early and get this done. But instead they have two turnovers on their opening two possessions a overthrow by Sam Howell, Deami Brown, and then I believe Logan Thomas fumbled uh, on the next possession. So, and they had three fumbles, uh, uh, or yeah, they had a lot of fumbles as well. So it was a it was a tough one across the board for the Commanders, to say the least. Um, to the point of where what happens now, I know people have been asking, "Hey, are they going to make a change?" I mean, why aren't they already getting rid of Rivera? Why don't they just let the enemy be the head coach? What What's going on here? I, even with this, I still do not see them making those kinds of changes. Uh, again, this is a short week. Dallas, big winner again today, is up next uh, on Thanksgiving. And, you know, what what are they going to do? I, I know people keep saying, well, let give the enemy a shot. I don't I it it doesn't really work that way. There's only something, there's not much he can do. Bram and I got into this, like even from like a roster standpoint, like where are you going? And let's just say he 
there's some extra motivation. I don't know that it means anything in terms of like, therefore he should be the coach going forward. He's in charge of the offense, which prior to this week had been on a little bit of an upswing. He's been helping Sam Howell, who didn't have his best game today at all. I, that to me is the main issue. Keep focusing on Sam Howell. I would not want to have anything interrupt that. So if it's not the enemy, well, then the only other option is essentially Del Rio. I don't think that's going to be an ideal choice either for a variety of reasons. So that doesn't work. There's nobody else on the on the staff with head coaching experience. I mean, Ken Zampezi's been around. Nate Katzer's been around. But, like, that's just, you know, filling out the string here. That's not, like, making the changes that people think are, are, are forthcoming. And then not to mention, like, look, I, I obviously everybody wants to win what you can win. But, like, the schedule is very daunting going forward and at this point if you're not going to make the playoffs i don't you know having sam how progress and lose the games is better for the potential draft picks and so on and so on so i still don't think there's gonna be changes making it made that said i i mean you got to be thinking about something with ownership and not you know maybe something below rivera takes place but i don't get that sense right now certainly not this week with again the thursday game so i would uh you know for those of you out there hoping, wishing, you know, dreaming of such things, I would, uh, you know, temper expectations for the time being. Uh, F.A. Obata suffered a uh, injury in the game, was carted off the field. We did not get an update on that. Certainly did not look great. Um, he's a free agent at the end of the year, so hopefully it's nothing too serious that's going to um, mess up his potential plans. You do have, um, they did get some, you know, good game from K.J. Henry. Um, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, um, and that was good to see, you know, Bram and I got into like, are there younger players that can step forward now? Henry and Andre Jones would be a couple of them after that. We went through the list. I'll, I'm curious what you guys think later on. So let me get to Bram in a sec. And speaking of, I want to curious what you guys think. I mentioned in the last podcast that I am planning to have a zoom with, um, the listeners here of the standard room only podcast or subscribers to the athletic. Uh, when we get back for the Miami week, so we've got today's Sunday, we got Dallas on Thursday. Then there's a little bit of a mini buy then Miami. So probably early in that week, I haven't figured out a date yet, but maybe, uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday of Miami week, we could get into something. If you're interested, hit me up on Twitter or sorry, hit me up. On email, bstandig, S-T-A-N-D-I-G, at theathletic.com. Just let me know if you're interested. And if you've got topics to discuss or ideas, even if it's not about for that conversation with everybody, but just for um, for us to discuss here, let me know. I am curious. Um, as I said before, and <laughs> I talked about Bram, like other than Sam Howe, it's getting harder and harder to have you know really in-depth conversations about anything that is not about what may happen in the off season. So hit me up, be standing at the athletic.com. Um, and by the way, this is zoom conversation. This would be, you know, a private off the record chat with us, you know, circle of trust, that type of deal. So if you're interested, email me there. Um, beyond that, you know, I, a tough, up, Oh, hold on. I'm bearing the lead. I'm bearing the lead. So the game ends and everybody, you know, hustles downstairs to where the media room is. We start off with Ron Rivera and Ron Rivera, you know, he talks to us and, 
you know, he was asked about potential changes, didn't really get into too many specifics. But then the press conference ends and we go into the locker room, which is just right around the corner. And after a couple minutes there, you kind of re- like typically we're in there and like players are in the midst of getting changed, taking off their gear, taking shower. And everything felt a little bit more rushed this time. Like Sam Howell usually takes a bit of time, not in a diva way, just the process of postgame takes a little bit of time to get through what he has to get through to then get to us a little bit later in the press room. And then you come to realize there's something wrong with the shower. What's wrong with the shower? Uh, No hot water. Apparently I heard players saying that what was, what was available to them felt like if they went into one of those cold tubs, that is good for therapy, but not ideal for just, uh, you know, get white, getting off the, the grime and the dirt and the sweat from the day. Uh, one player said they it had not happened there before. Um, but that, you know, you know, in, it's not an insult to injury. Maybe that's the wrong uh, phrase, but it is that type of deal. You have such an embarrassing loss. And then have a, just an embarrassing failure as an organization. At least the Commanders players could, you know, presumably just get in the car and drive home. The Giants had to take; were taking a train back, so I don't know what if, if, what players did. But if it's that cold, I don't really know how you're uh, how you're um, you, you're dealing with that. For what it's worth, uh, a team uh, spokesman said in a statement. I'm not reading it verbatim. But basically, there was a malfunction with the water system during the game, and the only way to fix it was to turn off the whole system, which they determined would be impossible with 60,000 people there, which I get. But it led to the situation that happened post-game with the, with the two teams stuck without hot water, which has got to be an unbelievable, uh, miser- miserable scenario after a, a, a football game. Um, uh, the, 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 one of the jokes running post game was, well, there was no hot water because it's all on Rivera right now after this loss, um, do with that what you wish. Um, all right. That said, let's get to my conversation with Bram Weinstein, uh, voice of the commanders. Let's do that right now here on the standard groom only podcast. All right. Um, I am now back home, as I said, uh, from FedEx field, somebody else who was out there today, of course, calling the game. Uh, the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, also host of the Bram Weinstein Show and W. What, is it still WMAL? No. Yes. WSBN. WMAL moved to the FM dial, so we're uh, WSBN, but ESPN six thirty works. Yes. Yeah, right. That, that, that's just my old brain still unable to remember. Me it's too. not nineteen eighty five anymore. Yeah. Speaking of nineteen eighty five, uh, you know that's when the, this team was was good, and it was reminder of that with Joe, Joe Theismann, John Riggins there today. Not much of a reminder of that on the field. Um, Look, uh, you know, the game was a colossal for from the jump. Two turnovers on the first two offensive possessions. Uh, We can stop with the Danny DeVito jokes because Tommy DeVito looked like a real live quarterback today. Six turnovers, so many mistakes. Where to begin, Bram? Where to begin? I'll let you begin. Yeah, you had a little time to process. Where are you at with this? Uh, really disappointed. I mean, I just this is the second time this year that I'm genuinely surprised at not only just the loss, but the way they lost. Like the Bears game in this one. Like I just 
you know, I, I after the Bears game, I I kind of stopped having expectations because I'm like, you know, that one shook me so much that I wasn't really sure what to expect any longer. But this is actually the time of year where Rivera's teams really kind of steal themselves and typically play their best football. And, um, you know, that was a pretty relatively strong performance in Seattle and they had an opportunity to win and they didn't. Um, and I did expect them to turn around because if you watch the Giants, you know, in recent weeks on film with DeVito, who's a very inexperienced player, all the injuries they have, um, you know, the way their defense had been shredded really the last couple of weeks. I just, I just, I didn't know what the result would be. I just, I really honestly thought they were going to win today. And um, you turn the ball over six times, you know, and you do it in front of your home crowd. They haven't won at home since week one. Um, I'm, you know, enormously disappointed. It's just really the only way I can kind of put it. I didn't expect this team to be here with this record right now. When I was asked this week, you know, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? I was kind of like, well, I mean, they kind of have to win, which was different than me saying, I think that they will win or that like the team is you know good enough to, to get it done. I, I think part of the problem is, and obviously the, the trades of Montez Sweat and Chase Young have made this even more true. The whole point for this team, not just this year, but even the last couple of years to a degree was they have this baseline of this defensive front that has the talent to alter games, to be a dominant force. And you could always fall back on, at least you have that. And what that means is, you know, as we saw last year, right? The, the defense largely was really good. It kept teams from driving consistently. They were number one in third down. It gave you a at least, okay, that's our floor. The defense will keep us in games. This year, they've had no baseline, period. Like the defense, as we know, after the first game or two, never really was imposing. I I didn't think I haven't felt in any game. Um, They were, you know, even with young and sweat, they were ranked, you know, what 30, 30 or 31st in countless categories. And as good as Sam Howell is, he's still learning. There's no, they don't run the ball particularly well, even though they throw it more than everybody. It's not like Terry McLaurin is being a, a dominant figure or being used in that way. Like they don't have a thing. And I feel like this was an example of that. The giants are not good but they're going to they're going to bring the pass rush and that's like their thing and even though the Washington was the one with all the sacks I mean they, you know they they uh, you know what I should forget the Giants cuz they're just bad but that's Washington's problem like they they just don't have a thing and it just uh, everything just kind of fell apart today i think some level accordingly the really season to me is two things one they made a huge bet on Sam Howell i think to this point i know people are going to look at three interceptions today and the loss and they're going to think he played really poorly I need to rewatch to really judge it but I, I don't think it was I don't think his performance was probably as bad as it, it probably seemed you know in real time um, the last couple of interceptions I think were he tried to make some plays on a third and ten in a desperate moment and the last play was a desperate heave and I'm going to kind of view it that way the first interception was an overthrow maybe Diami slipped I'm not sure maybe it wasn't a great decision I'll have to relook at it but the story of the season was they made a huge bet on Sam Howell. I think largely they've been validated by that. You know, whether I don't like to talk about like, is he the next five, 10 year quarterback? But I do think for this year, he's been um, as good as they'd hope he would be and about better than what I expected in his first full year as a starter. But the other side of it is what you really spoke about. And I think the story of the season really is um, I thought the baseline of the Washington defense was good, maybe great. And instead, it's been really bad across the board, individually, collectively. I did not see this coming at all this year. Um, 
the two guys in the middle, John Allen and Deron Payne, you know, recently have been, you know, receiving a little criticism. I felt for about a month, month and a half, like they're going to have to step up and, and be the heartbeat of the defense. And they weren't making a ton of, they weren't being, they weren't bad players, but they weren't making the impact plays that I was accustomed to. Um, the trades of Sweat and Young, I think we optimistically thought, oh, they'll collectively pay, play better for a few weeks. And yes, they got a lot of sacks today, but the real true, I think, like view of the defensive line was in Seattle where um, Geno Smith is making a tremendous amount of mistakes, but they don't have a pass rush. And as the game wore on, big plays are happening. They're running the ball on them. Um, and so, you know, the front isn't, you know, holding up the end of the bargain that I think we'd hoped it would. And the back end, which I went into the season thinking has all of this speed. And if they have the type of disruptive play up front could be a turnover machine, which is what I, I thought would going to play out. And instead, I mean, it is without fail every week that there are three to five gash bad plays that either involve bad tackling or guys getting lost in coverage. And it doesn't matter who, who they play. It's happening. And it's every single week and it's killing them. And then this week, you know, combine that with a rash of turnovers. It's actually amazing. They were down one score with two minutes left with the amount of turnovers that they had, Um, you know, and it's just a recipe for this team to your point, doesn't have something to lean on. And I thought that they had something to lean on for sure. And they really don't. And that that's, what's really kind of disheartening about the whole thing. Yeah, no. And look, even like, you know, obviously no Antonio Gibson this week, but you know, Brian Robinson had, you know, he had a fumble, but he had a reasonably decent, productive game. Otherwise, uh, Chris Rodriguez had a couple good runs. He also fumbled. Um, but, like, you know, the, the, the even that, like, I don't know how many carries Robinson finished with, but, like, I don't know. Like, just just, just lean on him. It's, like, the one thing you have. I mean, I, you know, if you're not going to get the ball to McLaurin and Dotson with any regularity, certainly not Dotson, but we did have a touchdown today. Um yeah, I mean, what, where, what, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, he, so here's the thing: I don't know what you were getting, and and uh, I don't want to put you any in any bind here because of your uh, job, obviously, with the team. But obviously, I get a lot of questions post game. Okay, they're they're making changes, right? They have to be making changes after this. I, I I can maintain. I believe the answer to that is no, at least not with Rivera. Certainly not on a short week with Dallas. That would be just overly complicated, uh, right? But even beyond that, we've you know discussed this many times. I, I want to keep the enemy with Sam Howell. That's the best thing we this organization would have going forward. So I'm I'm saying the we as if I'm Josh Harris or anybody. Let the enemy stay there. Can't really promote Jack Del Rio for a variety of reasons, including the defense hasn't been good. And so where are you going? So I, I don't I don't see why they would do anything. I don't think they will. Again, you say to it whatever you think you can, but like where are you at? Kind of with this idea of. We all know what's about the future now, but at the same time, some people want that future to start today. So, um, you know, you you pointed out my position, so I don't really feel comfortable talking about what I think about people's jobs because I just don't think it's my place to weigh in on it. And I have no information about anything potentially happening. All I can really say um, is what I was basically told and alluded to from the get-go from the ownership group, you know, not directly from Josh Harris, but through people and intermediaries, that they were going to let the season play out. And I've always felt like that that would happen. You know, circumstances do change. 
I think the first time that the ownership group really kind of weighed in on anything football related was the trade deadline where both Montez Sweat and Chase Young were dealt and there was ownership, you know, involvement in that to what degree, you know, I can only give you what I think I know about it, but I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. And from there, you know, my impression was that they were going to let it play out. Um, I don't see a path to making major changes in the interim. And I am going to take them at their word that it will play out even at four and seven and even as disappointing as the results have been. Um, The results are the results. So we can all speculate all we want about what it means for the future and when things may happen or when things change. But, But frankly, like not only just with my position, I, I don't, I'm not big on calling for firings. And so it's just not, it's not my place to do it. I don't want to do it. And, you know, I think the results will speak for themselves. The ownership will speak when they're ready to do so. And, um, you know, I really, I think it, it's worth saying this too. Like I really have enjoyed working with Ron Rivera for the last three plus years. Um, he's, you know, someone that I've kind of tried to be an advocate for surrogate for to some degree, mainly because, and he talked about this, you were there on Friday when he was asked about his job security going into the game. And he, you know, talked about what he's gone through the last few years. And I, and I believe that he's had one of the toughest jobs in all professional sports as a head coach Yeah, talking about a lot of things that really had nothing to do with him. Um, it wasn't just being a head coach. It was being a representative for an organization that was beyond in turmoil um, in ways that no coach typically has to deal with. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I was always kind of rooting for him. But at some point, it does come down to, you know, results on the field. And the results on the field this year are not very good. And when he paints a vision of the roster that he's built and that it's on kind of the cusp of potentially turning a quarter and winning, well, I think you have to win a little bit more than you have. So, um, and to the point of what we were talking about earlier, where what exactly is the unit that we look at and say, that's the real, that's the strength of the team that's going to carry them forward. And oddly, and I never saw this part coming, I don't know that we know the answer to that anymore. Even if you want to be very optimistic about how and very optimistic about maybe directionally of where the offense is going. It is his first full year starting. It is Biennemi's first real year in this offense with this group of people. I want to give them the time to grow and mature, but this was always going to be a very tenuous thing to do when you are in a year, a show me year to a new ownership group. Like the whole thing was kind of a tinderbox waiting to happen. And I was hoping for the best. And unfortunately we're not getting the best right now. Um. So Rivera was asked about potential changes and he said yes, like that it was it was kind of awkward the way it was asked and then answered. He didn't specify what. It sounds the question sort of inferred about how the secondary kind of keeps or the 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 the, the, the defensive coverage keeps allowing these big plays. And that seemed to be where he was saying yes to potential changes, but he wouldn't elaborate with anything beyond that, including staff. That said. I guess, let me ask you, like... Change to what, though? <laughs> that's the interesting part. Well, that's... that's you know, the... Name the position or the group where you're like, well, well, they should be playing this person or they should get rid of this person. Like, that, that's the hardest part when you have these conversations. It's like, everybody wants change. To what exactly are you referring to that they can make these changes? Well, and I guess, like, to, to that end on the personnel side, like, okay, there's six games to go. They are not technically eliminated from the playoff picture, but, like, I think they're... I saw the New York Times had uh, their odds of making the playoffs before the game at like 6%. So I'm going to assume they're lower now. Yeah. Um, um, although I guess Seattle lost, right? And Minnesota's playing right now. So, um, yeah, know. they did. But I mean, like, you know, I mean, we, we all looked at their schedule and went, this was the time of year. This, oh, this right yeah. after that Eagle first Eagles game was like, 
here's the time of year where they're playing a bunch of teams that look like on paper are the winnable games that they better stack up because when the schedule turns around Thanksgiving, it's going to get really hard. And it's played out exactly, this is rare, this happens in the NFL, but it's played out exactly how I thought it would. You better have a really good record because it's going to be a tough road from Thanksgiving on. Two times with Dallas, once with Miami, once with San Francisco. The Jets might have Rodgers back if they're in the playoff hunt. You know, the Rams just won today. So like we're talking about four games minimum against teams that are almost definitively going to be in the playoffs. It's totally played out that way with great pass rushes too. Dallas's San Francisco's the jets like, you know, this, it doesn't add up to the type of miracle finish that you're looking for, but it's sports and who knows. Right. Well, and I guess my, my, my point was you and I one way or the other are looking forward for fortunate we'll still be in the positions that we're in we'll be talking about this team going next year and obviously this is going to be a critical offseason whatever happens with the staff the current staff so that said what do you do now you know like if this is unacceptable and there's not going to be changes made on the staff are there changes or what would you do with everything else like would you just say you know what this is the team that they have now play it out and well, just whatever happens, happens? Or do you look at it? And, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I haven't thought this through yet. Like, where would I say lean on younger players? But is that, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Is that is that something, I guess, would you would like say, hey, it's time to look at alternatives that maybe they just haven't dug into more? So who are the younger players that could potentially come in and get some reps that haven't gotten them yet? Well, the two defensive ends, but they're going to play because Sweat and Young are gone and, Smith and Williams James Williams and now F.A. Abato hurt. So they're going to play a lot. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes is going to play a lot. There's no other corner we're talking about at safety. They are young back there. There's like no one to turn to that hasn't played yet. You know, it, we're not changing the receivers on the offensive line. I would argue based on what's happened this year, that if they had younger players to potentially take a look at, but they don't Ricky Stromberg is hurt and Braden Daniels is on IR. So I don't like that's kind of my point here. Who would they be turning to, you know, that would like actually change per- personnel wise? Like, could they play somebody less reps? Sure. Could Jamin Davis play less? I don't know why you would, but just as an example, for who exactly? Like, who would be coming in and, and playing for him? You know, like, I'm not sitting John or Duran. Like, I'm not sitting any of the receivers. We're not taking Hal out. Like, that's not happening. And with the offensive line, like exactly who is the young player that is hasn't gotten the opportunity that should like that doesn't really exist. So they have what they have personnel wise, the way I look at it. Could they make some schematic changes or maybe play some players a little bit more than others? I suppose. But I don't really know where you would turn there. And as far as the staff goes, like, again, what would you be doing that you think would be an eye to the future? And I mean, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, like exactly who is working under Jack Del Rio that you go, that's a coordinator in waiting that I'd like to see have an opportunity for six weeks. Like I don't really, I don't see that either. So I think they have what they have. Team needs to show a lot of professionalism, you know, play as hard as they can, maybe win some of these games because, you know, frankly, when they play better teams, they nearly knock them off. So I like, I don't know, like why can't they go to Dallas and be really competitive with Dallas? Like, they just almost won in Seattle a week ago. They scored a touchdown with a minute left on the road in one of the toughest places in the NFL and nearly won. They could have won either Eagles game, more more so the first one than the second one, but they could have won either Eagles game. So they're capable. You know, the question is, will they put, you know, the, the type of performances together and limit their own mistakes? They killed themselves today. They killed themselves a million times. 
they can stop doing that, play a little more clean of a game, then I think they give themselves a shot. Like we could sit here and go over what their weaknesses are. Their weaknesses are exactly, at least on offense, what we thought it would be going into the season. Young, inexperienced quarterback and an offensive line that, you know, to me felt like would be average and hopefully good enough, but it wasn't, there's no pro bowlers on that line. So like what, you know, what were you expecting to have happen? defensively is where I'm surprised. That's where I'm really surprised. I expected better. I did not expect 31st in every metric, worst scoring defense in the league. I didn't expect that this year. I expected better. What can they do back there? They're already playing the young guys that they have on the roster. So they have what they have. They got to get through the season. Hopefully, you know, they, they perform a little bit better and then we'll see where we are. But I think we all know the change is coming in some form. Um, the question is what, and that's for the ownership to answer. You know, as I probably similar to how Sam Howe felt throwing some of those interceptions, as I finished the question to you and I thought, to my, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if the I think the answer might be nobody. The one young player, as you were going through that correct analysis, the one young player who you might say, hey, put this guy in more would be Fedarian Mathis. But again, to your point, what, what that means less of Allen and Payne. And so unless you do some weirdness of like putting somebody at defensive end, uh, which is, you know, it doesn't is it kind of defeats the purpose yeah then what are you going to do you i mean it it, it 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 sort of in going through this now leads to the, the bigger question of you know what are the pieces going forward and this is a be a, a, certainly a, what we'll be all talking about later in the season and in the off season you know who are the, the pieces for who, whoever it is that's making the calls next year you know we can point to mclaurin and dodson we can point to the defensive tackles and you know you have hope for for st just and forbes but there's and Robinson, of course, but um, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, I think to me, ultimately, that's going to be what these last six games are going to be about. Who shows that they are worthy of being viewed as a piece to 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 move forward here? Like maybe Sam Cosby makes that 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 list, but like yeah, they're right. There's not a lot of them now. Part of that is because they have a lot of free agents. There's 90 million in cap space, blah blah blah. But um, yeah, I mean, when you have games like this, and you know, it's hard to say is the fault with the staff is the fault with certain players or the scheme or the whatever, but that's going to be a big part of what whoever is that makes up the next, uh, you know, makes the, the decisions next. What do you have here? And that's what I hope for their sake, we get a better view of down the stretch. Are there people to do it? I mean, I guess one guy I would mention, this is minor, but you know, Cole Turner it was supposed to be, you know, this tight end threat. He's been a non, not even playing. I don't even know if he played much at all today. Um, but yes, if I'm getting to the Cole Turner, it sort of makes your point. There really isn't a lot of ways to go. Even yeah. after I said, Hey, maybe he doesn't, he doesn't play a lot. Do. Cause he's not a good blocking tight end. I mean, right. that, that's the real reason why he's not out there and protection issues started to exacerbate themselves. And so they therefore had to go to bringing up people like Alex Arma, keeping sure. in John Bates, probably a little bit more than maybe they wanted to Logan Thomas is a you know, pretty good blocker, sizable player. Cole Turner to me kind of is more of a very big receiver in a tight end body. And so that will be eye of the beholder, you know, to your point about like who makes these decisions. This is the one thing that if I were the ownership group, this is just kind of what I would be thinking about. Like the reality to me is, and this is just going off of Josh Harris's history as an owner of multiple different franchises. There is no singular voice that controls the personnel and the coaching duties. So if you, if you think about that and you think about the future, is he already considering that whether Ron, Rivera was going to be back or not and I know again I don't want to pretend that that decision has been made but whether he is or he's not 
were they always going to intend to split up those duties anyway? And if they were, who is the person or candidate that they are looking at to potentially be the personnel decision maker? Maybe that needs to be, you know, expedited a little bit here for, for lack of a better word, to your point of, do you want to start the personnel evaluations now? Because you don't rip apart an entire team, especially one that's got enough young players. You named a lot of them that I don't care who the coach is next year. I want Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, uh, John Allen, Deron Payne, Cam Curl, if you can sign him, St. Juice, Forbes. I want them on the team, no matter who the coach is. So it's all of these other pieces that I think needs to be evaluated. And, you know, maybe they were willing to wait out a year, but considering where we are now, it's the one thing I would think about if I was in the ownership group that maybe we need to try to figure out who's going to be the chief personnel decision maker. And if that, whoever that person is might need to get eyes on this thing a little bit sooner than maybe, maybe they wanted to, so they can evaluate down the stretch here. But that's just, that's me completely speculating and really just going off the idea of that. I have an anticipation, no matter how this season played out, that those duties would be split, that it wouldn't be a singular person running both of those departments. I could be wrong about that. And if they were 11 and 0 right now, they probably wouldn't be talking about this, but being where they are, uh, my expectation all along was that's going to be split no matter how they feel about Rivera and his tenure down the road. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And we'll, we'll move off this, but I will just say when we all the lists of the things that we were all, you know, kind of an agreement on offensive line and um, new edge rush, <laughs> uh, probably things they need to get. I, I'm putting linebacker on the list. I'm gonna, just going to say it. I don't think <laughs> they have a starting one on the team. Um you know, I'll give David Mayo credit. He was flying around there today like he was Micah Parsons with two sacks and almost had a third. But Jamin Davis, every team that goes after him with the wheel route every week. Barkley, Saquon Barkley got him today for a touchdown. Um, you know, they've already decided he's not a Mike linebacker based on what they've seen. So they gotta they gotta get arguably, I mean, obviously Cody Barton's out, but he's also a free agent at the end of the year. They gotta bring in multiple linebackers to not just be on the roster, but potentially to start. Um, but that's uh, another uh, topic. Um, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I guess just what, what do we talk about now? Like, if, I mean, I, I think it is still a little too early to get, unless the owners do something, it's too early to discuss the future completely in terms of what do you do? You, you, we've talked about that a little bit here, but I can't talk, talk about Sam Howell every day you you host a radio show five days a week <laughs> you, you can't fill all the time just on the one guy even if you know he is the most interesting fortunately this week it's a shorter week but still what, what do we talk about well i mean i think i think we are going to start kind of evaluating all of these players um when seasons go like this you will often start to hear more truth telling out of the players just in general about how they feel about how things have gone. And you'll start to learn a lot more about, you know, what they thought went right, where responsibility lands, um, you know, where they could be better, where things could be fixed. And I think we'll start to kind of start to get some of those answers. I, I will tell you, like, just from the get go, there were a couple of things here, you know, like, like put in the, there's new ownership. So there's transition that's going to come no matter what. And so it's a very dicey situation for literally everybody. Um, the setup that went into this season with so many players on expiring contracts to me was always a very risky thing to do. Um, that said, I don't know that Ron Rivera could have done much about it with, with ownership outgoing and owner new ownership not taking hold until July. And then as we saw in the summer, 
Um, clearly nothing was going to be committed to by this new owner, at least in the first couple of months, I think Rivera's hands were tied. Um, but you know, there were some decisions that were made like not picking up the fifth year option on chase young allowed for young and sweat to both be on expiring contracts, not getting a new deal for camp curl. When I would think that they would like to have him back on an expiring contract, there's a long list of players on expiring contracts. The slate is going to be very clean for whoever wants to come in here. They're also going to have a lot of work to do um, if they do want to re-sign Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, Kendall Fuller, Cam Curl, uh, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, a number of backup players who are now starters all of a sudden because of you know the decisions at the trade deadline. The offensive line is going to have to be dealt with. And then the big question will be Hal. And I do think, Hal, I know you're kind of like, I can't talk about every day. Well... Um, I think we do need to make a judgment about him and, you know, it's going to be eye of the beholder for whoever's, you know, coming in. If there is a change that is made, I do think how they function as an offense from here will be interesting to watch. And secondarily, you know, he was leading the league in passing entering the weekend. Well, he just played one of the most, you know, uh, blitz happy teams and he's got Dallas twice, San Francisco and the jets top five to 10 defenses four times over the next six weeks. Let's see if those numbers stay the same. Let's see how he handles himself down the stretch. Let's see how this offensive line protects him down the stretch. Let's see if this team is fighting for each other down the stretch. And I think it'll be very telling for what the future really, you know, belies for anybody who's going to be making decisions, you know, and as for the ownership group, it's just hard for me to know. They've been very quiet. They've kept things very close to the vest. Even Rivera acknowledged that with him, that he kept it very close to the vest. They're not really leaking out much of their intentions. I think part of that, was by design because I do take them at their word that they were they were going to let this season play out. That's all they kind of really have done so far. Um, now we're asking these questions because things have spiraled and the future is now. And that's why I say the one thing I would just kind of keep an eye on considering, you know, they got a longer break after Thanksgiving and then they have a bye week coming up. Does it expedite the decision to get, you know, whoever is advising them on personnel uh, either now or into the future, does it expedite them to do a little bit more judgment on the roster as, as is, because that is clearly going to have to happen. Nobody flips over an entire roster. You're going to have to retain a lot of the players you have, no matter who the coach is next year. So I do think that that's something to watch and maybe that will be the newsworthy change that comes over the next few weeks heading into a bye week I don't, I don't know, but that's just how I would be thinking about it. If I was part of that ownership group, all I ask, is that whatever is going to happen, if there's really any significant changes, nothing till after the bye week. I've already booked a ticket to go out of town for the bye week with a late bye. We're all we're all we're all a little fried on this end. I'm sure you guys out there are too. But covering every every you know no no breaks no vacation since God knows when. Please just hold off on anything else until late in the year, and then I'll be happy. If I if I we lose the bye week, I'm going to be absolutely mad. That's that's a uh, me problem. But the last time any team did something on behalf of the media will be the first time that they've done something on behalf of the media. So you could scream into the wind all you want. I also have some vacation plans for our late bye week again and i'm hoping that i'm not going to spend it talking about these types of things but we'll you know we'll see and you know the, the like for me the reality is to like listen bet i'm about to go call a game in dallas on thanksgiving day even with the record as it is even as disappointing as this is like i i you know i feel very privileged and fortunate to be able to do that so you know like for me I'm going to be really excited to be in that stadium, even if the score doesn't end up looking like we want it to, because if they have six turnovers against Dallas, 
what I can promise you is that score will not be a one score game with two minutes to go. So I'm hoping that they are able to kind of shake this off, get it together, play like they did in Seattle or in Philadelphia. And we may have, you know, a competitive game on Thanksgiving day. Uh, I'm with you, by the way. I mean, like this has been my mantra. The 12 year old in me can't believe I get to go cover Washington, Dallas in Dallas on Thanksgiving. Then on top of that, Dolly Parton's the halftime act. Oh, I'm there. I know. I know. Then on top of that, this is like a, a me thing. It is my actual birthday on Thursday. Oh, so like oh. this is like this. There's like a lot going on. So I'm like, this is actually, you know, I, I, I'm not a birthday guy on any level, but all right. This one should be a memorable one. Hopefully the game, hopefully the game is memorable for things other than just, uh, you know, a lopsided score. Um, but anywho, all right. Bram, you rock. Again, go check Bram out. Monday to Friday, ESPN 630 DC. He is the impresario of Empire Media. Uh, he does it all. Calls the games. You, you rock. Thanks for the time, man. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk this week. All right. Thanks, Ben. Great stuff there from Bram. You know, as we're talking, uh, the, the Vikings are still playing. Again, I'm not. I, you've heard me talk about this for a while. I have not really given much credence to the notion of the commanders in the playoffs. Uh, certainly after losing to Seattle, the schedule is only getting harder. I mean, the next two games are against Dallas and Miami. Those two teams are in potential Super Bowl conversations, let alone, uh, you know, seeing Washington beat them. I think I saw the opening line for Thursday is 11 and a half uh, point underdogs for the commander. So they're going to have their work cut out for them just to maybe even be competitive. And I think ultimately that's what we want to see from this team down the stretch. You know, they, they 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 win, they lose, just be formidable, right? Hopefully Sam Howell gets back on a better rhythm than he was this game. By the way, it wasn't just the interceptions. He threw up a lot of balls sort of in harm's way, and uh, the Giants could have even had a little bit more. There was one interception taken off, um, but um, it was a penalty on the play, so uh, on, on New York. So keep progressing with Sam Howell. Hope some of your younger guys, your Forbeses, your Mathises, your Robinsons, your Dodsons progress or you find ways to help them kind of running out of a kind of running out of conversations or, or, or what to look for beyond that. Um, but what I can say is we'll have another podcast this week, then off to Dallas for the Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys. Uh, that is going to be it for me. For now, I appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. Have a uh, again, I'll be back this week. But uh, if, if somehow I don't, you, you you'll tune in. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday week. Um, until next time, see ya.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.